Hello, I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. We're a church seeking to make disciple-making disciples of Jesus. Thank you to Life FM for continuing to host us. Today, as we look to God's Word, our reading is Acts 9, verses 32 to 43. So you can begin looking that up now. This sermon was recorded live at Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church. After reading the passage, we'll hear the children's talk. So, if you have children, make sure they're listening. Then we'll go to the sermon. So let's read Acts 9, verses 32 to 43. Now, as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, bedridden for eight years, who was paralysed. And Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise and make your bed. And immediately he rose, and all the residents of Lita and Sharon saw him, and they turned to the Lord. Now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dorcas. She was full of good works and acts of charity. In those days she became ill and died, and when they had washed her, they laid her in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, hearing that Peter was there, sent two men to him, urging him, Please come to us without delay. So Peter rose and went with them. And when he arrived, they took him to the upper room. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other garments that Dorcas had made while she was with them. But Peter put them all outside and knelt down and prayed, and turning to the body, he said, Tabitha? Arise. And she opened her eyes, and when she saw Peter, she sat up. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. Then, calling the saints and widows, he presented her alive. And it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And he stayed in Joppa for many days with one Simon, a tanner. And now it's over to the children's talk. All right, now. Remember, we've been in Acts, and what does Acts teach us? The mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. Good job. And who is this? This is Rupert. That's right. And Rupert is getting... Rupert is getting very excited because there is a race at school. There's a race, and he has been training. Every day after school, he's gone for a run around his block. He's run, 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 and he has timed himself. His mum has had the timer out, ready, set, go. And off he goes. He runs, 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 runs. And he's been getting a bit faster each and every day. But guess what? This isn't just a run with his school. This is a run with a whole lot of schools coming together at once. This is a big, huge, humongous race. And he's excited. Until... Guess who he sees as part of that race, part of his race, part of his age group 
So he's going to be racing against this person. Guess who he sees? He sees Jeremy, the cheater. Now, I don't know if you know much about cheaters, but cheaters are really super-duper fast. They are super-fast big cats. They run really fast over short distances, and this is a short-distance race. Can you believe it? Oh, no. How do you think he's feeling now? Worried. Embarrassed? Or maybe not embarrassed. I don't think he'd be feeling embarrassed. Annoyed? Oh, sure. Yeah. Do you think he's feeling like all that training was a waste of time? Yeah, because he's not going to win, is he? He knows before he even starts that there's no way that he, a reindeer, is going to be able to win against a cheater. There is no way in the world that Rupert will be able to win. Poor Rupert. Do you know that Jesus is a bit like Jeremy? Lots of people try and try and try to win against Jesus. Lots and lots of people try to stop Jesus from achieving his mission. Do you know what Jesus' mission is? Can you remember what Jesus' mission is? Oh, his mission can't be stopped. That's right. But what is that mission? The mission of Jesus is to bring in disciples. It's to grow his church. And lots and lots of people are trying to stop Jesus from achieving his mission. But we've seen time and time again in the book of Acts that these people just can't do it. They can't stop Jesus' mission. And now Jesus is showing how amazing he is. Jesus has shown in the passage that Jeff just read. Kids, were you listening as Jeff was reading the Bible? He told us a story of Aeneas and of Tabitha, otherwise known as Dorcas. And Jesus had such big power that sickness couldn't stop Jesus and death couldn't stop Jesus. Jesus healed Aeneas and he raised Tabitha to life again. That's how powerful Jesus is. And so all these people who've been trying to stop Jesus from achieving his mission, they haven't been able to do it because Jesus is so powerful. Now, poor Rupert. Jeremy was way too fast for him. But thankfully for us, the mission... Kids, listening? The mission... Hannah, turn around. The mission... Of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. Just like Jeremy couldn't be stopped, Jesus cannot be stopped. Isn't that good news? Let's say a prayer. So let's close our eyes, close our eyes, hold our hands, and we're going to say a prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that Jesus cannot be stopped. 
that he will achieve his mission because he is so powerful and so strong. Thank you that no threat is actually a threat to him. Thank you that we can trust him and know that he will do what he says. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's pray and ask for God's help as we come to his word. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that you are so good that you give us this word, that you speak to us that we would understand you, that you give us your spirit so that we would believe. And so we pray that as we see Jesus at work in this passage, that we would be in awe, that we would grow in our love for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, given the rating that it has received, I can't imagine watching it yet, but the film Oppenheimer has just been released. Have you heard of it? It's the story of one of the leading men in the Manhattan Project and the creation of the atomic bomb. Now, that sounds like a story which should be told. Oppenheimer and the Manhattan Project have changed the world, have changed warfare forever. There are stories, true stories, which demand to be told, which should be told. The space race, James Cook's journeys, King Henry VIII, there's a story. These people and events have shaped our world. Will your life ever be the subject of a movie? In 100 years, will the events of your life be considered so interesting that movie makers will want to tell your story? They certainly won't with my life. It won't attract a a crowd of people large enough to cover the cost of making a movie. The only way that my life would be worthy of a book or a movie is if I was somehow involved in something dramatic, earth-shaking, surprising. Right now, nothing in my life is considered worthy of a movie. It's not worthy of the world's notice. Acts 9, verses 32 to 43, it's a passage sandwiched between two big passages. We've just seen the conversion of Saul, soon to be known as Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles. We're about to see the conversion of Cornelius as the gospel breaks the barrier into the Gentile world. And here, wedged between these two earth-shattering events, we find two small stories. They're stories of Jesus' power, incredible power. The church had spread from Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria and Galilee after Stephen was martyred. Peter was visiting all these people, no doubt to encourage and teach. And he comes across some suffering Christians. But the mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. And on that mission... Jesus loves those he saves. He doesn't gather them into the kingdom and then forget about them. He loves those he saves. We'll look at the two stories in turn. First, we'll see Aeneas healed 
in verses 32 to 35. And then in verses 36 to 43, we'll see Tabitha raised. And then we'll consider the incredible reality in our third heading that we are precious in Jesus' sight. So let's see that Jesus loves those he saves in verses 32 to 35, our first story. Aeneas healed. Look at verse 32. Verse 32. Now as Peter went here and there among them all, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. Now you can imagine how the apostles felt in Jerusalem as they heard that people were coming to Jesus after the church in Jerusalem was scattered. See, they felt responsible for them. And so Peter went to visit them, encourage them, teach them. Some of the new believers, they might have seen Jesus during his ministry on earth, but they hadn't travelled with him like the apostles had. They didn't have the New Testament yet, and so they couldn't read about him and his teachings and his miracles. And so he comes to Lydda, 40 kilometres northwest of Jerusalem in the region of Judea. That's here to Castlemaine. And who does he come to in verse 32? The saints. Now that word has a lot of baggage. So let's go on a bit of a tangent to think about it. The Roman Catholic Church reserves the title saint for an especially holy person. So you could be declared a saint if your life or your writings had some sort of heroic value for the faith and also if you performed a miracle after death. Although if you're a martyr, you don't need that aspect. You don't need to have performed a miracle. What does verse 32 tell us? that new, unremarkable Christians were called saints. See, if you believe in Jesus, the New Testament says, if you believe in Jesus, the Holy Spirit has made you holy. You've been set apart for God. You have been purified by him. I don't know if you've seen it, but I enjoy the movie The Incredibles. An animated movie by Pixar telling the stories of superheroes, people with powers. And the villain in this story doesn't have any superpowers, but he has invented rocket boots to enable him to fly. And he's got lasers that can cut through solid objects. And he's got this ray that he shoots at you, which makes it impossible for you to move. And his evil plan involves killing all the real superheroes and creating an emergency so that he can swoop in and save the day, pretending to be the greatest of the superheroes. And then one day, after he's had all his fun being this great superhero that everyone looks up to, one day he'll sell his inventions so that everyone can be super. Because according to him, if everyone is super... No one is. Now, if everyone is a saint, does that mean being a saint is not very special? 
Has the Protestant church cheapened the idea of being a saint by saying that all believers are saints? No. Not at all. It hasn't cheapened being a saint. It has elevated Jesus. It has made him all the more incredible. Before you knew Jesus, what words described you? Sinner. Rebel. Hating God. A liar. Selfish argumentative, lustful. In other words, you and I were filthy, swimming in the muck of our sin, rubbing the manure of our evil all over ourselves and thinking that we smelled like roses. We loved our sin. But now, For those who believe in Jesus, you're called a saint. Not because of you, but because of Jesus. That's how powerful Jesus' work is, that it could make even you holy, pure in God's sight. Only his death as your sacrifice could do that. Cleansing you of your guilt, bearing the punishment for your evil. Only the Holy Spirit could transform you into a new person, living for God. Because Jesus loved you, he died for you. He's made you his saint. And yes, you're still tainted by sin. But he has set you apart in love And he is working on you even now, if you will obey his spirit, putting your sin to death and being the person that he has made you to be, he has transformed you to be. See, don't skim past little words like this as you read the Bible. If you're saved by Jesus, you are a saint. Be amazed. Back to the story. Peter comes across Aeneas, a Christian who's paralysed. And how easy it would be to ignore him, to focus on more important people, on the spread of the gospel, on, on the growth of the church. I've read a few bios recently, brief bios of people introducing these new people to particular roles. Now, some of them just give the bare facts worked here, had this experience. But some of these bios, they just feel over the top. Every single possible thing which could be said is said. See, we want to look grand. We want everyone to know how great we are. And if we're not great, we want to be around greatness. But Peter's becoming more and more like his master. Jesus healed the paralytic who was lowered to him down from the roof in Luke 5. I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home, he said. And so Peter shows compassion and love too. Verse 34, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Rise, 
and make your bed. The bed he's been in for so long, he can leave it. He can make it. Suddenly, the man who could have felt overlooked is pointing people to Jesus merely by standing. Something which seems so normal, but was impossible for him. And now people from Lydda and from the plain of Sharon are turning to the Lord Jesus left and right. They've seen that Jesus loves those he saves. He doesn't ignore the little people now that his church is growing. And by showing his love for those he saves, he saves even more people. Well, we've seen Aeneas healed. And in verses 36 to 43, we see Tabitha raised. Now, Joppa was on the, on the coast of the Mediterranean Sea, 19 kilometres northwest again of Lydda. And so that's here to Raywood. And in Joppa, a beloved disciple had died. Tabitha, otherwise known as Dorcas, was, verse 36, full of good works and acts of charity. Wouldn't you love that to be said of you? This woman was a model disciple. She knew Jesus loved her and had died for her, and so she showed her love to others. In John 13, Jesus said, A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And Tabitha has shown that she is Jesus' disciple. The other disciples will so show Peter in verse 39 all the clothes that she has made. Now that wasn't because she was crafty. They weren't mourning the loss of someone. Sorry, sorry, they were mourning someone who had invested her talents in helping others. Now, making clothes for others doesn't sound very impressive to most of us. But I see some smiles over there. The sewers in the church know how much effort goes into making clothes for other people. And it was even more difficult 2,000 years ago. There wasn't a spotlight to go to where you could get the fabric you wanted. Tabitha couldn't duck into the shop and grab uh, some knitting needles and some wool. She, she couldn't pull out her sewing machine. And all of this wasn't for herself. This wasn't her business. This was her kindness to others who had less than herself. She knew that Jesus loves those that he saves and he calls us to love. And so she was mourned by the church. The church was growing, but the loss of one of them to death was still devastating. So instead of washing and burying her with spices, which was the norm, they washed her and put her in an upstairs room. And they, they sent for Peter. Can't, please come to us without delay, the messengers say. And as we were reading, I don't know if you could remember, but this story sounds very familiar. It sounds a lot like Jesus' experience with a little girl. Listen for the similarities. In Luke 8, 
after Jesus had healed a man, he'd healed a demon-possessed man, Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue, came to him, begging him to come and to heal his little girl who was sick and dying. Jesus went, and while they were on their way, someone came from the house of Jairus and said that his daughter had died. They arrive at the house, and it's full of weeping and wailing, as you would expect. Now, Jesus said she was only sleeping, but they laughed at him. And and so he sent everyone out except the parents and Peter and John and James. He took the girl by the hand and said, child, arise. And she lived, got up. And Jesus said to give her something to eat. Now, if we were to go over to Mark, in Mark chapter 5, he gives an extra detail to this story. Jesus spoke to the child in Aramaic, not Greek. He actually said, Talitha kumi, which means, little girl, I say to you, arise. Now, if Peter also spoke Aramaic to Tabitha, there's only one letter difference. Talitha kumi, Tabitha kumi. And this story should also remind us of Elijah and Elisha. They both had similar experiences, both raising young boys to life after their sudden death, both in an upper room. They were foreshadowing Jesus' power over death and his love for people, while Peter, in our story, is echoing that same power and love. See, Tabitha wasn't abandoned any more than Aeneas was. Jesus loved her. She wasn't just another number to him. She wasn't disciple 22541. She was Tabitha, someone he loved, who he'd died for. Once again, Jesus has shown his great power and compassion. Through Jesus, sorry, through Peter, Jesus has raised Tabitha from death. We can't overstate how incredible this is. Jesus has power over death. Our great enemy isn't a member of our family. It's not our premier. It's not Putin. It's not Trump. And it's not Biden. The enemy we all naturally fear the most is death. And Jesus has power over death. Death couldn't hold him and it couldn't keep him in in, the, in his tomb, and it couldn't hold Tabitha. Once Peter said with the authority of Jesus, Tabitha, arise. The one with the keys of death and Hades is risen, and he loves those he saves. Death is scary. It's why a cold dread grips our heart when we hear that someone we love has been in a car accident. It's why we struggle to hear and to remember what the doctor says after he mentions that word, cancer. It's why the world was stopped by COVID. Why we're told to wear masks in hospitals. The mission of the risen King Jesus cannot be stopped. Not by paralysis and not by death. Jesus has defeated death. It can't stop his church. It can't stop his purposes. It can't stop his love. He raised Tabitha to life again to show 
the greatness of his love and to give the promise to all his followers that just as he rose, we also will rise. Tabitha was raised to life temporarily. She would turn out to die again as she got older. But all who trust in him will be raised for eternity. Death cannot stop the mission of Jesus. And because he showed his incredible love for those he saved, look at verse 42. Verse 42, and it became known throughout all Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Maybe you would like to believe. You see the kindness of Jesus to these people, and you want to know his love, his kindness. You want to know that yourself. Well, you can. Like the people of Lydda and, and Sharon and, and Joppa, you can turn to him. You can believe. And he will accept you. He will love you. Turn away from your sin, from your rejection of him. Find in him forgiveness and life and joy. They saw Jesus' love for his people. They saw his power and they wanted in. The church spread because Jesus is so good and so mighty. Well, we've seen Aeneas healed and Tabitha raised. What's our takeaway? There's a few things that we could focus on. But for our third heading, let's realise that we are precious in Jesus' sight. The sad reality is that many in our world don't feel precious. They feel like a burden or a waste of space or overlooked. You might be single in a world which wonders, what's wrong with you? You might even feel awkward in the church, surrounded by people who are, who are couples. But whether the world is proclaiming that you're not worth anything outside of a relationship or you feel undervalued by people in the church, which I hope isn't the case, but if you feel that way, remember that you are precious in Jesus' sight. He hasn't turned his gaze away from you. If you've believed in him, there's nothing that you can do, nothing that can be done to you to separate you from his love. He died for you. His spirit lives in you. You are precious in his sight. You might be unemployed or, or will be one of these days. You might be down in the dumps feeling worthless, but Jesus loves those he saves. He doesn't demand you be productive, working nine to five or more. You might be studying and fail a subject. Jesus won't discard you. Kids, listen up. Kids, there might be some times where you feel small and unimportant. You might feel like everyone is against you. But no matter how others treat you, no matter how you feel about yourself, Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus loves those he saves. As we get older, as all of us get older, we might need to go into care. 
You might get sick and, and struggle to control your bodily functions. You might feel like a burden to family, to, to the healthcare system. But you're not a burden. You are loved. You are not just a number to Jesus. On your power bills, your insurance bills, you're given a customer number to identify you. You're one of the many to them. But Jesus knows you by name. Even as his church grows, he doesn't forget his people. His affection won't lessen. This world holds up self-esteem as something to be prized. They look within themselves trying to find something of value. We, we look for what the world prizes, success, intelligence, popularity. But we don't need to find something in us to make us worthy. If we do that, we'll get defensive whenever that aspect of us is threatened. When someone is more successful and more popular and more brilliant than us. But if we're precious in Jesus' sight, we can never be threatened. Remember, like, like Aeneas, like Tabitha, we are valued. Not for what we can do or who we are, as if we can actually give him a reason to love us. Actually, we give him every reason to cast us out. But he loves us simply because he set his love on us before time began. He loves us because he loves us because he decided to love us. He saw us in our filth. He knew us by name. And he chose us to belong to him. There is no circumstance which can threaten that. Once you could walk the streets of Eagle Hawk and know everyone's name, but no longer. Size makes people anonymous, like customers at a bank or at an insurance company. But as the church grows, Jesus never forgets us. He doesn't need to assign us a number to look up in his files whenever we call to him in prayer. We remain precious to him. Jesus loves those he saves, and his love never dims. Let's pray. Our God in heaven, we are thankful that you love us. We pray that we would always have a sense of that love. We pray that we would love others with that same kind of love. Lord, fill us with delight as we see your power and remember that your power is at work for us. And Lord, give us boldness to speak those words of love to people who desperately need it so that like in Lydda and Sharon and in Joppa many people here would come to know you we pray this in Jesus name Amen I'm Jesse Walls from Eagle Hawk Presbyterian Church and I pray you've been blessed as you've spent this time in God's word Next week, we'd love to have you join us in person for our service at 10am. I hope to see you there. And as always, if you'd like to make a comment on what you've heard today, you have a question, or you're looking for a church, then please get in contact with us. Our website is eaglehawkpc.org.au. You can also contact us through Facebook or Instagram. God bless you.